club broke, Roger. I never drink water on tour. All you got to do is just tap it in. I don't think the heavy stuff's going to come down for quite a while. If your head was a touch softer, I'd be in the fairway. I never miss with the seven iron. Well, hey there, golf fans. Welcome to a good live podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum dums? And our resident golf expert, Rose. <laughs> Gentlemen. We're, uh, I don't know, fourth, fifth, sixth episode into this show, and we've got our second major under our belt. It was a pretty exciting weekend for golf. I would say, yeah, that's, uh, you can definitely tell the majors are different because uh, the broadcast has so many more. Um, camera angles and cool shots more statistics sort of all the stuff we complain about golf not doing enough they had like you know we could hear all the conversations between the players and the caddies and, yeah um, they had just a million different angles and they had all kinds of statistics and almost everything was shot traced and you realize that um the broadcasts are shitty because they don't invest in them except for the majors like it's a, it's sort of a bare bones. Here's what we have to have to broadcast golf instead of a, let's do this top fucking shelf. Like the way the NFL would do every single football game. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, and it was a competitive um, tournament actually too, because that's, that plays a big factor in that the masters was fun. It's the masters, but it, I don't think it was as enjoyable of a tournament as this weekend. We had a guy come from behind. We had a guy choke. I, I always love a good choke moment in golf. Those are some of the most memorable ones for me. I mean, we talked about Greg Norman before. So, I don't know. Do, do, I feel do, the same do, way about <laughs> pornography, Brennan. You're into the choking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. No, anyway. The, uh, does, it count, does it count when it's your first one and it's a major, like as a full-blown choke? I mean, he did, he did like throw out the anchor for sure, and he talked about how nervous he was and stuff, but. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm like, if it was just like any old regular tournament, I would say absolutely a choke. And I mean, I suppose he did. If you if you bet on him, you definitely think he choked. But I don't know. It, it seems different to me, I guess. Plus, he's yeah, still, I don't know, like going into the 18th, basically, he's still, that, I mean, that was a choke for sure. He hit it in the water. Like, he still had the tournament won, even though he, like, threw out the anchor and was way over par. Um, and then, like, JT ended up coming through and winning that in kind of remarkable fashion. But he had to have a lot of luck go his way to get there, too. It was heartbreaking, but I, I agree with you, Rose. I mean, like, he hits his first major. It is a choke. But, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to blame him the way they – I mean, I honestly think about Rory McIlroy shitting the bed after shooting uh, the low round on the first day as more of a choke than what this kid did on 18, considering his experience and his age. Right. I, I agree. He's, uh, he seems to be a great player. And I, I love Rory to death like most golf fans do. But that dude chokes on the regular, and he's a guy that shouldn't be doing that at this point. Yeah, and um, you know, I mentioned Greg Norman earlier choking in 1997. He was the number one player in the world at that point. Like you said, this was not his first major coming up, or he's not Rory McIlroy with a ton of majors under his belt who, like you said, chokes all the time. But at the same time, what he blow three three stroke lead on Sunday? That's a choke. Yeah, and he um, got and he just. He just double he double bogeyed that hole. You know what I mean? He didn't even get, get to play in the playoff. I mean, he knocked himself out. When he first hit the water, I, I was watching it with our dad, and I was just like, 
Oh, man, he's going to have to be in a playoff now with Justin Thomas and Will Zalatoris. You talk about a couple guys you don't want to be stuck in a playoff with. I mean, like if you're the scrappy underdog who does not belong in this moment anyway, and then you're going to extend the game. It's sort of like a any professional sports team where the plucky upstart does not want to actually go to overtime with the big boy. Because eventually if the big boy wakes up, it'll, it's just the war of attrition is going gonna, is gonna to win out. And just like, God, talk about a guy I would not want to go up against in a playoff is Justin Thomas. I mean, and, and granted, Justin Thomas is not winning everything right now. He's not on the heater that Scheffler is. Uh, you know, he's probably not, you know, playing at a ROM level, at least ROM of last year. I don't know, but he's playing good golf. Don't get me wrong. He just won the players, but he's not number one in the world. But I guarantee you that going into a playoff, if you ask me, do I want to play Scotty Scheffler or Justin Thomas? If I've got to play one hole or three holes for the tournament, who would I rather lock horns with? I would rather go Scotty Scheffler, and I think most people would. Like, Justin Thomas is a flat-out stick. He does have a little bit more of that tiger fire in him than some of the other players do, that just ability to lock in when he needs to. Yeah, and just he can hit every shot. Like, if there's a deficiency in your game, like, that's like, oh, well, that's tough because you know what Justin Thomas doesn't have? Any deficiencies. Like, he, him and Rory, that's why they're so frustrating. Is him and Rory are two guys on the tournament that are just like, or the, or the tour that just like, They could take over any moment. Everybody knows they're the best golfers. They're the most talented. They're the best golfers on the course. Doesn't matter who wins. Everybody at the end of the day, if you had to be like, hey, who do you want to shoot shoot one hole for birdie for your life? You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to pick John Rahm over, over Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas is a killer. And that's what I told my old man. I was like, when it was just Zalatoris and Thomas, I was like, well, Zalatoris is Man, he's a golfer and he's gonna he's gonna win a lot of tournaments, but he's done. You know, Thomas is a <laughs> Thomas is a cutthroat man. He's been trained by his dad since he was in short pants to slit throats, and that Zalatoris is about to get his throat slit, and he did. You're absolutely right. Uh, in, he uh, that is JT. That's JT right now. I feel like that player always kind of changes. You know, it wasn't that long ago that uh, that wasn't JT. It was guys like DJ and stuff that had that role, kind of you know that in between. Tiger had it for two decades, but you know it's it's sort of changed since then. Um, and Zalatoris is a gamer, man. He's uh, especially in the majors. He's like a baby Kepka. He tends to show up on the big stage and shit. And, um, he's legit. He's I enjoy watching him. He's a he's seems to be a down to earth, pretty mellow guy too. I think he's got the right head for it. Uh, he's gonna be around for a while, I think. But guys, if you had to bet on who would win a major while wearing roller skates while playing golf, I think we all pick Scotty Scheffler. As <laughs> yeah, as- that's true. <laughs> <laughs> as far as just jelly legs are concerned, being able to hit a good shot while just dancing around constantly, that's Chef <laughs> guy. I, you know, Rose's favorite golfer, John Daly, and my, uh, I don't know, I, I've, I've go back and forth on John Daly. Like, I, I, I get aggravated at people that they idolize him, but God, he's hard not to like. You know what I mean? Like, he was, you know, in the top five after the first day, and. One of the one of the sports journalists had thrown up a stat where he'd had twelve on the on the course that day twenty one cigarettes, twelve diet cokes, three bags of peanut M Ms, and zero um, ounces wow. of water. <laughs> and you're like, and then the next day they ask him what he did to prepare for the for the the uh, next day, and he's like, I went to Hooters and drank three pitchers. I don't give a fuck. I think was his quote. he also there's also a picture going around of him uh it was on uh twitter i think is where i saw it as well him sitting at the casino smoking hearts playing the slot machine later that evening too yeah that's after (laughs) he pounded three pictures at hooters and took a picture with all their staff (laughs) yeah i was like and 
but he it's also the reason i'm aggravated with him like you are literally in the you're literally in the in the hunt for a major and you don't give a fuck yeah imagine if he gave two fucks imagine if in the prime of his career he would have given two fucks i mean tiger has all the fucks in the world you know what i mean like he he only prepares constantly at the detriment of every other component of his life. And then there's John Daly, who's like, you know what? <laughs> I just won the genetic lottery when it comes to hitting golf balls. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do what any white trash redneck would do when they win a lottery ticket. And that is go to Hooters in the casino. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. And do a pillowcase full of cocaine. That's you right. Mean? Like, I mean, it's I like, know what I would do, and it's that. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Give me a pillowcase of Bolivian shale, and watch out, world. Here I come. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and I suppose I'll show up by tea time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, – anyway, I, just, I wanted to bring up Long John because he was, he was in the hunt early. I yeah, think everybody right. had their hopes up that Rory would somehow find a way to win this tournament because traditionally he'd been – uh, bad starting out and had to work his way back to win a tournament. And in this case, he was just, you know, out of the gate strong. They're like, well, if he just plays the way he typically plays the last three days, he ought to be fine. He just wet the bed. He shit the bed, but then he kind of came back again at the end and like made it a respectable finish again. Mm -hmm. He always does. And he's a better, he's, he's just, a, he's a tremendous golfer. He just gets a bad rep because his expect, the expectations for him are so high, but um, well, I think he's a better golfer when there's no pressure on too. And if it's day one, if it's Thursday of a tournament, there's less pressure than on Sunday. And if you're five, six, seven strokes off the lead, there's a lot less pressure on Sunday. And I don't know though, Britton, his, his best rounds traditionally are the fourth rounds though. The problem is he shoots a fucking 78 on day one and then has to just shoot lights out to get back into tournaments. I think that goes along with what Brendan's saying though. If he's seven shots out of the lead going into the final round, there's no pressure on him. He's not expected to win the fucking thing or no, even finish true. up front. So he goes out there and throws out these super low rounds and gets himself in it. You know, it's, I think it's more the pressure he puts on himself than the outside pressure, which is if you ever listen Precious to him and be interviewed after a bad round or something like that, like he, yeah, he pressures himself horribly compared to what everybody else puts on him. Thank you, Rose. I also agree with me. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> I was happy to see Justin Thomas win. He is, he's easily one of my favorite golfers. You know, JT is a lot of people's favorite golfer. I mean, he's one of the most popular guys on tour and for good reason. He seems, you know, he can be a little bitchy sometimes, but he seems like a genuinely good guy. And just, again, one of those really entertaining guys to watch play golf. Um, I think that's one of the problems the PGA tour can't fix is when, you know, Tom Hoagie is in the front. You know what I mean? Like you just, there's no cure for that. You know, and you can't program around that. I, God bless Tom Hoagie's having a season. He's, he's had a great last 18 months, but nobody wants to see fucking Tom Hoagie win, you know, a, a major, you know, they want to watch JT and Will Zalatour's butt heads. You know, they want to watch Rory McIlroy come from behind, you know, this kid from Chile is a nice story, but ultimately who's disappointed that he lost and JT won. I mean, you know, everybody wants to see the heavy hitters play. I personally, you know, like I said, was stoked when Bubba Watson was competitive for two full days. And then of course he fell off a cliff and went finished 30th. But you know, like I want to watch the guys who are fun to watch play golf. I'm also a real sucker whenever the PGA puts out their little like uh feel good videos and some of these players will like take a little kid around with them in a practice round or, you know, it's like take a few moments to chat. You know, it's the stuff that made everybody love Phil before everybody hated Phil. 
And uh, I feel like JT's, there's a lot of the videos where, where he's being pretty good to kids, you know, and that is always a, it, it, it's easy to make fans that way, you know, and I think he is aware of it. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I think that uh, that's a strong suit for the term for the, tour in general is that these guys or the people who come to these tournaments, the galleries are literally right next to them. You know, it's just a rope between the players and the fans and whatever those guys acknowledge, especially kids, people who don't care about golf will watch videos like that. And so, um, and there's a lot of kids that love JT. Yeah. And especially in a sport like golf where so many of the guys are sort of unapologetically jerks. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and feel enough. justified in being so because they're professional off. This is their job. You're at their, their you're at their office. You know what I mean? Yeah. And too many guys have that attitude. You're about to see a bunch of them jump to a, a, a competing golf turn um, tour. But you know, JT's not one of those guys. He's one of the good guys. Yeah, I'm impressed. <laughs> That's the longest I think we've gone into our podcast before we had mentioned live golf tour. That's we got a record. Well, it's about to be big news. I mean, they. I saw that like <laughs> Lee Westwood and Lee Westwood and Louis Oosthuizen both lost their lost their UPS patch this this, this week, and that they, they're that saying that's sucks. because I really like UPS these. doesn't want to go doesn't want to be associated with Live Golf, so that would in, imply that those guys are going. They said that most of like the they were talking about it being a threat to the like the international Presidents Cup team because they said the vast majority of the people that they would suspect would field the, the president's cup team are on the list of people they assume are going to go. And who the, oh, you think the PJ tour is going to let them play president's cup. If they go jump to live, no way. You know, what's kind of crazy about this is that um, when Phil Mickelson had his comments that got him sent to golf jail and purgatory on some Island off the Pacific ocean somewhere, I assume that looked like it was a death knell for this thing. I mean, DeChambeau said he's a PGA tour man. And all these guys were like backing away from their commitments to the live golf thing. And in reality, none of that mattered at all. Phil got all the shit for something that didn't make any difference. Like they're still paying guys a bazillion dollars to go play golf. There's still a bunch of guys who want to take that dirty blood money and have no problems with it. And it's still going to happen. So at the end of the day, like Phil went to jail for no reason. You know, it's it's just bad PR for him. But the tours, you know, live golf is going to happen. Um, Saudi blood money is everywhere. The golfers are going to take it. Uh, Greg Norman's bigger rod is still the worst PR guy in the world. Have you seen the uh, the last list I saw anyway of the live golf people that it's like, I don't know, semi-committed or indicated that they were committing to play the league or whatever. It's other than Mickelson, it was basically dominated by like European guys. Do you think that this may end up being some sort and all the except for like Rory, everybody, you know, all the people that have mainly set up for the PGA have been American dudes. Do you think this is gonna end up being some sort of a split where we see like a mostly US dominated league versus a mostly European dominated league? Like it may have more of an effect on the European tour possibly than the PGA tour. I mean, possibly for sure. I mean, it make, it would make sense. It would be a good Avenue for Lib to take, you know what I mean? Like it's the NFL wasn't always the NFL. It used to be the NFL and the AFL, you know, and that's what I, the comparison I keep thinking about. And I know the money is a great deal, but some, and some guys are for it. And some guys have a, don't have any problem with it, but eventually if enough of like, if all the good European players are playing in this other competitive league, I can see the, 
you know, the majors being like showdowns between the AFC and the NFC. Um, there's just so much money behind it. And I, can, I don't know. I can also, and like you said, Rose, there's a lot of Europeans going. I can also see Colin though, it becoming the PGA being the Harlem Globetrotters and the live golf being the Washington generals too, because well, that's the way the Ryder cup has been. Yeah. Well, and right now, like even if, if it is an American league versus a international league, the Americans are the better golfers right now. The Americans are, we've got the best golfers, the most watchable golfers. We've got the infrastructure in place and the money and the fans to support all this stuff. Live golf has to build it. And I'm not saying they won't because billions of dollars of dirty, dirty murdering blood money can do a lot of amazing things, but, um, but they don't have the world's best golfers and the PGA still does. So while it could well be sort of an AL versus NL or AFL versus NFL, it could also be a Washington generals versus Harlem Globetrotters. It's, it, it, it could, uh, you know, I just, I think what everybody's really concerned about is, you know, what does this do to golf? Ultimately, that golf's in the middle of this resurgence, and is the some is a fracturing going to ultimately be a good thing for golf or a bad thing for golf? And like, even Ricky Fowler was didn't rule it out. I just thought, fuck you, Ricky Fowler. You know what I mean? Like, you are you. You know, the PGA Tour has, you know fucking lined your pockets and like made you one of their poster boys for years, even after you weren't competitive anymore. And you're just going to go, you know, middle finger him and jog on. I was like, I just, I don't know. I, sometimes I think no way this is bullshit. And other times I think, I don't know, Colin, eh, makes sense. I guess, you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm back and forth on it. I think you make a good point when you say like, it could be good. It could be bad for the game. Like it, uh, I don't know. Maybe it, absolutely elevates both of them. It comes up with some rivalry sort of thing, or it ends up being like the baseball strike and it just wrecks the game for a while and makes them have to start over. I can say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it will be good or it will be bad. Yeah. That's uh, that's analysis. <laughs> folks. folks out there, if you're listening, that's <laughs> analysis. And it's bravery too. Just stake <laughs> yeah. out a claim like that. Yep. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's bold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, fellas, we uh, we have some local golf coming up in case uh, anybody's interested. Uh, the Missouri Junior Match Play Championship is coming up at uh, Richmond, Missouri on June 13th through the 16th. Uh, it's at the Shirky Golf Club there in Richmond. And there's a bunch of state qualifiers this weekend. The state qualifier at Falls Golf Club in O'Fallon. Uh, there's a state qualifier at Oakwood Country Club in Kansas City. And then June 3rd, that's the one we've been talking about maybe going to is the other state amateur qualifier in Jefferson City. That's uh, at the Jeff City Country Club where we were last time. And uh, maybe we can all get together for that one. All these qualifiers are leading up to the 115th Missouri Amateur Championship, which is going to be at Bell Reeve. I feel like a good live podcast needs to be at Bell Reeve, don't you, fellas? Yeah, well, yeah. we're going to have to we're gonna have to uh, woo us a little bit, Brennan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Come yeah, dump like true. that. To get celebrities like us. I yeah. can't just ask. <laughs> Speaking of championship golf, fellas, I played in a, a tournament a week ago, and I played some of my worst golf is, that I remember ever. I do, like I don't know how to hit a driver anymore, um, which seems like an important part of golf. Britton, did you have you told Rose about what the uh, prizes for winning this tournament were? No, I should probably get into this a little bit. So I played <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, no, I played in the um, a charity golf tournament for Ukrainian refugee students at the University of Missouri. 
It was put on by the Korean scholars at the Asian Affairs Center at Mizzou and the Korean Baptist Church in Columbia. There were about 50 or 60 contestants, um, all of them Korean except me. And, um, <laughs> and it was you were a- still not the, you were still one of the shortest people there. <laughs> That's right. Also, oh, hold up. How did you get involved in this to start with before the story goes any further? So that's a great question. A um, couple of things. I uh, golfing at the, the local munis in Columbia, you'll quickly learn that the commu- Korean community in Columbia is crazy about golf. And at any one time, maybe 50% of the golfers at the Columbia city courses are Korean golfers. And I made friends with one of them who was a scholar at Mizzou. And then I also helped them do a little fundraising for this Ukrainian fund. So they asked me, and I said, I liked golf. And so they asked me to join in their tournament. And uh, anyway, what I didn't know at the time was that everybody was Korean except me. And uh, we played and I played poorly. <laughs> got to really impress them with some of my worst golf when my best golf is still not very good. Um, but the food at the turn was awesome. It was this bimbi bb bop fuck i can't pronounce it bim bop <laughs> korean dish uh that i'd never had before delicious and um then the real interesting thing happened at the end of the tournament after everybody came in all the uh, carts were showing up for a little award ceremony afterwards i saw these a bunch of stuff that was clearly part of the ceremony for the awards and the first place prize, each member of the team that won first place in this tournament, men's and women's, received a 25-pound bag of rice, Korean rice that <laughs> highly sought after. And the second prize was more of a head-scratcher, I thought. And you want to take a guess? Bro, just take a stab at what you think each <laughs> player for the second-place winning team in the Korean golf tournament in Columbia, Missouri, what the second-place prize would might be. Honestly, I would when you started out with a 25 pound bag of rice, I I'm not sure where to go. The the second place prize, you're never gonna guess it. It was each each person got a huge jug of laundry detergent. <laughs> well, the, the rationale behind the laundry detergent, because I was curious. I yeah, was I like, told Brittany, I said, why laundry detergent? Because it was it's expensive. I mean, like I don't I mean what what it, is the the, the meaning of this. It does seem like the most random thing you could possibly award. Yes. Well, so the guy I was talking to, he told me that <laughs> golf, men who go out golfing in Korea, their wives are always telling them they're golfing too much and they need to be home. But when they, the laundry detergent is apparently, according to him, a traditional golf prize because if you come home and laundry detergent is expensive, as Colin mentioned, you come home with a giant jug of laundry detergent, the wife is kind of glad and doesn't mind you golfing as much to the point where guys will lose in their tournament and go to the grocery store and buy a jug of laundry detergent to bring to their wives in the hopes that their wives will let them keep golfing more. God. Think about how elaborate that is. It's a it's an elaborate scheme to trick the misses. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, <laughs> and you talk about um, gosh, I mean, what I don't know what your wife would say, Rose, if you brought home a laundry detergent as a gift. 
to to entice her to let you play more golf. I know what my wife would say. I, I can't. Yeah. I really. I mean, as much as we curse on this podcast, I don't feel comfortable saying what my wife would say. I feel like it would That's be somewhere. That's how filthy it is. I feel like it would be somewhere in the neighborhood of do your own fucking laundry, asshole. <laughs> yeah, it was. I sh- I come home with a solid buzz and a sunburn, and I she preferred that to the laundry. I think or laundry detergent. <laughs> yeah. Well. Hey, honey. Here's just a reminder of who, what you do for me. <laughs> That's right. Now hop to it. Like other cultures and shit like that and how they do that stuff is always interesting to me. I would I never ever would have gotten there on just you telling me second place got detergent. Um I've been to some janky golf tournaments and I've never gotten anything like that. Um but I, I have my old boss from a previous job um was a navy captain. He was stationed in Japan for many years and he traveled all over uh like China and that whole area over there and he played a lot of golf in those areas and he told me some wild stories. Uh, about similar situations to that. Like some of them were such jungly courses. They would have to have a guide that went out on the course with them. And literally like the, a monkey would steal your ball off the fairway and shit like that. Like it was a real concern. Something we don't obviously deal with here in the States. Yeah. I've never had a golf Sherpa on the course. <laughs> right. So, well, it was an interesting cultural experience to me. It was a lot of fun. They raised close to five grand for Ukrainians. So like all in all, it was a great day. I got to try Korean food and I did not win any detergent or rice. That's a shame. Brennan, I feel bad for you. I do love Korean food though. So you had me there. Mm -hmm. And I love laundry. (laughs) Other than my, uh, my new golf cultural experiences, have you all been playing much golf? Not too much. I've been on a little bit of a vacation myself, um, but I did go out with a, my wife's uncle the other day, he's, he's a cool dude. I like playing golf with him. Um, he's back in town from Florida. So we played a little local course here. Um, I shot. Okay. It wasn't great. I shot. All right. Nothing I can complain too much about, um, especially on the course we played. Um, but I do have a couple rounds coming up this weekend. I got a big four man scramble tournament on Friday. Uh, that's usually a, a good old fashioned blacked out time. Uh, and then it's looking like I may finally get a chance to play Portachima at the Lake of the Ozarks this weekend. I've never played that course. I've always wanted to. I know it's incredibly nice. Uh, and I'm really hoping that that comes through. If it doesn't, I'm going to be super sad. But Hey, thanks for the, the invite, goal. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I got invited. Not, otherwise, I would drag everybody with me. Excuses, excuses. <laughs> anyway, I, I, played, uh, I played this weekend, uh, sort of played very middling golf. Um, I am in the process of um, the ever the ongoing process of swing tinkering, and uh, but uh, it, I I don't know. Last three rounds of golf I played have been pretty poor, but I'm okay with it because I'm working on things, and the the, the scores are the result of a couple of very errant balls, you know, some some out of bounds stuff that I'm just having to suffer as I sort of work through some things, but I think uh, ultimately it'd be a better golfer on the other end, uh, you know, regressing to progress, hopefully. Am I correct in assuming since we're recording this on a Tuesday that you uh, league night was canceled because of the weather? Yeah, it was canceled because of the rain, which I was disappointed out. You're going to take, going to take the stuff from the range to the golf course, Rose. You know how that goes. Um, you know how Colin does do whenever he's got it figured out, Rose. <laughs> yeah, I got it figured out, baby. <laughs> Thousand balls. <laughs> Thousand balls uh, in the net, ready to go. Loses a hundred mm. me. <laughs> yeah, yep. Don't take your Pro V ones on the water holes, Colin. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. But uh, I'm a I'm a swing tinker, that is for sure. 
my recent adjustment that I'm trying to make mostly because of a, a good friend of mine. I play a lot of golf with, and he's pretty good has been on my ass about it is my, my shaft <laughs> tends to be very straight up and down. Like I don't have, it's, it's pretty, I don't know, parallel to my body, I guess you could say. And so I don't have a lot of, I don't know, forward press in my swing and it makes for poor contact sometimes. And I lose a little distance on that. So I've been trying to get used to the kind of getting that forward press down there to sort of, I don't know, make better. Con- I naturally do it with my chipping and I make much better contact and play much better with that club. Um, but for whatever reason, it doesn't transition over to my other iron. So I'm trying to, to get that feeling down and make that more of a part of my swing. Yeah. Basically that what I'm working on is that whole, just pulling down as you as you swing, sort of pulling the chain, as it were, hitting down on the ball and just sort of making sure I'm doing it. And then, and just honestly getting used to it and suffering the consequences of, of, of a mishit, you know, when you're swinging like that, you know, which is often a chunk or what have you. But, you know, when you make solid contact, you hit it flush, ball goes 20 years, yards further than you, um, it otherwise did. And you're like, oh, that's why all the pros are always doing this. That's why they do it this way. And it's, and you just you just realize like I'm going to have to keep doing it this way until it becomes a comfort. There's a comfort level doing it, and, and I can start doing it accurately because, or I can go back to the old way and just sort of be a middling golfer forever. You know, I, I watch I watch these all these videos with the pros, and I'm like, well, that's the way they're doing it. And so as much as it may suck to try to learn to do it that way, that's the way you probably should be trying. Yeah, for sure. That's part of what makes the most frustrating game in the world. Well, Brent, what, you, have you been playing anything other than the uh, other than the detergent open, or how, what are we doing to rectify the bad driver? Well, I've just been hitting golf balls and watching videos, and uh, honestly, I've taken a little time off just to sort of. I feel like whenever I completely lose it, and Colin says, "Oh, I don't ever completely lose it anymore. I got my problems, but I don't. Compl- I, I do. I still fall absolutely apart, and I'm as bad as I ever was the first time I picked up a golf club, <laughs> and I'm there now." And I do feel like one, you can hit through it and practice and, and try to implement things. Some of the stuff like Colin's mentioning, but also taking a little step back because it's always a head thing with me. You know, it's like, I know I can hit a drive at times. It's been my most reliable club, but I'm not right now. So I just need to take a step back and get like, just let my head reset because sometimes that's a fix, you know, so just walk up and it's like, Oh yeah, I remember how to swing a club again. Rose. I don't know if you feel this way, uh, yeah. but um, like what Brennan is saying, there was certainly a time when I was like, I just need to stop playing golf for a couple of days and reset, you know, just not play golf. And now it's kind of the opposite. Like I never want to stop, not play for too long because I don't want to lose like sort of the, I don't want to accumulate any rust or any, any, you know, I want to keep my swing fresh. Like Time is the enemy. And it used to be, I was very much like, hey, let's, I need a break from this to, to, to reset. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I do. Uh, I do at times, especially if it's followed. Like, say we play like two or three times, like, you know, over the course of like a Thursday to a Sunday or something. Like, I do three rounds and they're, they're all shit. And just, you know, sometimes you just swing and it doesn't feel right. Something just, it feels stiff or it's unnatural or yeah. you're not doing it like you typically do it. And you know that, but you can't fix it. Um, so then yeah, I'm like, you know what, fuck this. Like I need to, I'm just not going to play until next weekend or whatever, which is never a long time, but it's, I'm not going to touch the damn golf clubs all week. And sometimes it comes back, you know, you go back out and the next time you swing, it's like, okay, there it was. Like, I don't know what the hell I was doing, but it left and I'm back to my muscle memory and it feels better. Um, the other option is at the turn, you shotgun like two beers and take a shot and just force your muscles to get loose. 
that also helps on occasion for me too. Well, Rose, that's great and all, but I'd really not endorse drinking on our very upstanding podcast. (laughs) Right. Not a consumer of alcohol. No, I don't find this line of line of uh, conversation appropriate for our listeners. I'm sure none of them have drank alcohol either. Yeah, but Especially on a golf course where Rose. we all take this game so serious, earnestly trying to improve ourselves <laughs> each and every outing. Actually, Rose, the thing, funny thing is Colin doesn't drink when he golfs for the most part. And uh, our buddy Cody and I, we went out uh, with Colin at Redfield one time and Colin, we had a couple, we both cracked a beer and Colin's like, no, 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 not for me right now. And Colin <laughs> and I, or Cody and I were both like, what the fuck? You know, the guy's going to shoot a 91 you know, it's like, what if you drank, you shoot to 93? Like, who gives a fuck? Have a beer. That's, that's, I, I honestly, listen. It, it's weird. It's weird with me. Like, I do. I know it, I've played enough for Colin already. I know he doesn't drink a lot whenever he does play. And I, I don't think I've played a game without at least one beer in, I don't know, fuck, 10 years. But I, I have this, like, I'm not that good of a golfer, but I'm a pretty good drunk golfer. So that's like, that's my helpful point in any kind of a four-man scramble or best ball. It's like, you know, I may have a high handicap, but the handicap stays the same with about six, seven, eight beers in me. Now, after that, I can't promise what's going to happen, but there's that middle road there where I'm pretty useful. <laughs> well, I, don't, I, I, I just, uh, I don't know. That's just my personality. Like, I want to get better at golf. If I, don't, if I don't improve as a golfer over the course of, you know, the next few years, it will not be from lack of effort on my part. You know what I mean? Like, I... I practice, I, you know, I, I hit every night and I don't drink on the golf course. And every time I'm out there, I'm, there's things I'm working on. I mean, maybe I, I look at it too analytically, but it doesn't steal any of the fun out of it for me. You know what I mean? Like the fun for me is trying to improve at it. Improving you know, it's fun too. I think, you, I, don't, I think you're on to something. You can absolutely uh, continue to do that. I think you just need to make conditions the same each time. So if you're going to practice every night, you need to have like eight beers every night and then practice. You just need to <laughs> my wife. level set. Across yeah, the board. My wife would love that. <laughs> my wife would love that. She already loves how much I'm how obsessed with golf I am. I'm sure if it leads me to drinking a lot, she'll really be in love with the idea. <laughs> Rose is full of good ideas. Yeah. Hey, babe, I'm going to go pound beers in the backyard while I hit golf balls. See ya. After all that good golf and marital advice, I think it's time to wrap things up. I, I agree. Probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Before we all get divorced. All right. <laughs> There's a lot of ways to win on the course, but if you don't have talent or luck, you can always count on a good lie. Let's see how terrible Rose's audio is going to be. No, it's bad already, Brendan. It's terrible. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be great. (laughs) 